Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we got a good one for you guys today. Ooh, I'm excited. It's Josh's... It's it, Is this the first deck you built for you? No, it's not the first deck, but it's... I'm sort of the most proud of this one. We've talked yeah. about it a lot on the show, but we've never actually gone in depth mm-hmm. or specifics about it at all. Um, yeah, it's my Tim deck. Ooh. Yeah, this is... I think I'm most proud of it because it's sort of the most unique... Of my decks, I've never seen another deck like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're super unique. excited, super unique. excited. As a Johnny, that's always what you're trying to do, right? Like yeah. you want it to have the coolest. That's what makes you feel game. the best. It's not winning. Yeah, it's doing stuff where people are like, "Wait, what'd you do? What? What is that card? Are Why you... is that even in your deck? Oh my god, it's killing me!" Yeah, it's like, "Are you infinite? No, but I'm just infinite enough." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm still gonna do this six times and kill you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Um, but before we get to it, uh, we want to uh, talk about a couple of things. The first is iTunes reviews. It's iTunes that reviews. time again. Hook us up. Go on iTunes. <laughs> Let us know if you like the show. If you haven't left a review, it's really easy. You can just do it through iTunes. Um, and hopefully you give us many stars out of five. Uh, by like many, all of them. I mean, all of them. <laughs> give us all the stars. Well, this actually really helps us as a podcast because it also gets us, uh, when people search for Commander Magic, you know, it helps us pop up higher in the algorithm. And that is very important because it also helps us hook you up because it's hooking us up. Yeah, it's just really good for the show. You know, people have been awesome lately telling their friends about the show, mm-hmm. uh, following us on Twitter and doing all these things that we're just trying to get exposure for the show so that it can continue to grow. And then that's just better for our audience in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we want to be the number one podcast out there because we want to kick some butt for you guys and hopefully take your game to a newer level. And that's our goal is to always hook you guys up, both in terms of like prize giveaways because we do a bunch, but also just with knowledge and by making your game better so that you can have more fun playing this format that we all really enjoy. I also think it can be really good for our format, just allowing the commander community to flex its muscles. Yeah. You know, and to show that, like, I mean, Wizards already knows about us. They create product for us. We're the only, you know, non-sanctioned format that gets direct product support. Yeah. 
But That's cool. Yeah, so we're already flexing our muscles. So let's keep doing it because we want Wizards to keep supporting us. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Them releasing Commander products is one of the best things for the format, I think, uh, because it just grows it in new, cool ways. And you've got people from the mothership uh, sort of putting stuff in. And, of course, you know, I think everything they've done so far, there has been some like things that people are uh, about, but they're pushing the boundaries. That's you know. what we want them to do. We've talked about that many times too, mm-hmm. which is just that you need your the company that's developing your game. You want them to take risks because yeah. you don't want it to stagnate. You don't want it to get boring. And Wizards has been very good about continuing to push the envelope, take risks, and that's where we're going to find those really cool new things that we never would have thought of. Yep. So unless you're making a commander deck about an old thing. An old thing. <laughs> We're going to get right into it, guys. The Commander Spotlight tonight is on Josh's Tim deck. But who's your commander? Hold on. I don't think people who know who Tim is. Oh, that's right. Let's give you guys a little brief. Yeah, our Commander Spotlight today is the Prodigal Sorcerer. He's two and a blue for a 1-1 one, one wizard. It says, <laughs> tap and do one damage to any target. Creature or player. Yeah, it's probably been oracle. I'm reading the old card oh, from right, uh, Unlimited. Right. It says, uh, yeah, tap Prodigal Sorcerer deals one damage to target creature or player. So this is the first pinger. Ping! 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 <laughs> that always finds its way yeah, in. No wonder I like him so much. Yeah, there you go. That's true. We now, this, about this. this effect uh, feels minor because it's just it do one minor. damage to something every turn. <laughs> Be quiet, you. Um, first of all, why is he called Tim? What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me Tim. Yes, it is a reference to the Monty Python uh, and the Holy Grail, Quest for the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. There's One of the a, greatest movies of yeah. all time. So... It's it's the guy that um, he's the sorcerer. He's Tim the Enchanter. Yeah, Tim the Enchanter. So <laughs> early on in Magic history, uh, Prodigal Sorcerer got renamed to Tim for whatever reason, and it made it throughout the community. And so now Pingers uh, are sometimes referred to as Tims. Mm-hmm. And this is the Tim deck. No so, relation to Timmy the t- the no, Timmy player. The psychographic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not. So okay, Prodigal Sorcerer is not a. Um, He's not your actual commander. No, because he's not legendary, so he can't be. So, you know, this is obviously, this is a, a JLK deck, which means that the commander itself is not super important. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not five colors, actually. It's not. It's three colors. And yeah. so the commander that I chose, well, do you want to read him? Yeah, it is Riku of Two Reflections. He is a Wizards printed commander card from the 2012 set. He's He costs five total, two and uh, teamer. So blue, red, and green. And he's a legendary creature human wizard, and that'll come into play later. He's a 2-2. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay blue and red. If you do copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may play, uh, pay green and blue. If you do, put a token that's a copy of that creature onto the battlefield. So he's a, he's a doubler. He's Riku of two reflections. Correct. So aptly. he either forks an instant or sorcery, or he clones a creature, basically. Mm-hmm. That's a non-token. Um Honestly, Riku will barely get cast in this deck. Once in a while, I will if I have a ton of mana. Also, he is a wizard, which is kind of important. Mm-hmm. You could run this deck with uh, Serac, Dragonclaw as your uh, commander. You could do Yosova. 
Yeah, Surik actually would kind of be interesting. I was looking at that. Because he makes your creatures uncounterable. Yeah, and that your creatures are very important in this deck. Yeah, problem is, again, you're not gonna, you're rarely gonna cast him. But yeah, right. Yeah, Surik wouldn't be a bad call. Um, basically, the commander itself, we're gonna put him off to the side. He doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the categories in this deck. The first is pingers. Ping. So the prodigal sorcerer is one. There's a whole bunch of cards in the history of magic that basically do the same thing. Now, recently, or not recently, but they were changed out of blue kind of early on, and most of them are red now. Right. Um, there is... Because uh, there's... What businesses blue have do dealing direct, direct damage, damage to yeah. things? Yeah. It's it's actually a symptom of the... Or a, or a, it's a reason that blue was so good and is considered the most powerful mm-hmm. color in the history of magic is because early on it did all kinds of things that you wouldn't traditionally think of as blue now. But the color pie wasn't what it is now. Right. And blue had sort of could do everything. Uh, they've, they've shortened that up now. But So I'm just going to read a couple uh, cards really quick, but they all sort of do the same thing. There's Razorfin Hunter. It costs a blue and a red for a pinger. Uh, Prodigal Pyromancer is the exact same as Tim, why he's called Prodigal, Prodigal Pyromancer. Yeah, yeah. But he's, uh, he's red, a red, two yeah. and a red. And then there's a couple, there's a there's a bunch, um, there's Cunning Spark Mage and Volshock Sorcerer, and they both cost three mana, and they're both uh, ping, but those two have haste. And so the ones with haste are obviously better because you can play them and then use them right away. Yeah. Um, I, I have about five or six different pingers in the deck, so there's a lot, um, but it is what the deck is built, is, is sort of built around. Now you're, you're thinking like, tap and deal one damage. Like what's that even do, Josh? That's not that powerful, right? Yeah. How do you how do you make these guys worth it? The second category is called make them deadly. Hmm. Creatures dealing one damage to other creatures. How is that happening? Yeah. What will, what could that maybe do? Mm, death touch. Literally touching them with for one point of damage and it killing them. Uh, Correct. Gorgon Flail is one of the cards you use from M10. It's two drop artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has death touch and it just costs two two to equip. Yep. So, so the great thing about that efficient. is you make Tim into an immediately dis, you know kill target creature. Mm-hmm. Also because it's equipment you can put it on Tim, tap him. Then put it on another pinger, tap him, put it on another pinger, oh, right. tap yeah, him. So two mana, two mana yeah. each time. So you sort of become two mana, kill a creature. Mm-hmm. So that's very powerful. Another one is um, Sword of Kaldra. It's four mana for an equipment. It's uh, uh, it's one of my favorite swords. Yeah, it's, it's equip cost is four. It says equip creature gets plus five, plus five, plus five. That's fat. That's fine, but you're not going to attack with anything. Well, you might eventually like to hit them in the face. <laughs> um, but it says, whenever equipped creature deals damage to a creature, remove that creature from the game. So this just immediately starts exiling stuff. Yeah, and notably not combat damage because it's on a sword of Cauldra. You would think it would be like, when this creature deals combat damage, but it looks like they forgot that word. They didn't really have that then, I think. Yeah, so yeah. that's actually what makes that card more powerful in this case. Uh, and the last one is, oh gosh, this card. I, this card is insane. It's Charisma. It's an enchantment, uh, enchantment creature aura. It's three blue, so just blue, blue, blue. Whenever enchanted creature deals damage to a creature, gain control of the other creature for as long as charisma remains on the battlefield. So this is, uh, it, it turns your pingers into control magics. Yeah, and you can, it, it, I've seen times where you steal everything on the board. Yeah, it definitely happens. Um, well, that, that sort of goes to our next section. So that you turn those pingers into like, they're not doing one damage. Now they're just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. They're exiling stuff. They're, they're stealing, stealing stuff. stuff. Yeah. They're just death touching it. And then we have what I call the tap untappers section. 
So this is a bunch of stuff that's going to make you be able to reuse your pingers many times. So Fate Stitcher. Yeah, my favorite card, uh, Fate Stitcher, three and a blue. It's a one-two zombie wizard. You may tap or untap another target permanent. So you tap the Fate Stitcher, and then you can either tap something or untap something. You can untap a land. You can untap a mana rock. You can untap Tim. Exactly. So let's say you've got Charisma out on Tim. You tap Tim, take control of a creature, then tap the Fate Stitcher, untap Tim, tap Mm -hmm. Tim again, take another creature. So that's just one interaction. But then there's a whole bunch of other cards uh, that do similar things. So... Kiora's Follower is one that was in the Theros set. It is a blue and green, and it's a 2 2 Merfolk, but you just untap it to untap another target permanent. And again, it's important to note when it doesn't say non land permanent, because uh, any permanent is much more powerful. Uh, the other is also powerful, but in this case, you're going to want stuff that does anything. Yeah, so notably, Kiora's Follower doesn't can't tap anything, mm-hmm. it can only untap stuff. Still, it's mana ramp, because it yeah. can untap a land. Uh, it also untaps Tim, or a number of other things. So. And then there's, I really prefer these creatures that can either tap or untap a creature mm-hmm. because that way, if you draw that creature and not a Tim and not a Fate Stitcher, then you can at least tap down your opponent's creature so they can't attack you. Right. And that's really handy. Yeah. Being able to lock a guy down. So there's, there's three I'm going to mention. Um, they all are the, almost exactly the same. So there's Nibbles of the Breath, Nibbles, Puppeteer, and Tide Force Elemental. They all cost three mana. And they all cost one blue, and then tap that creature to either tap or untap another creature. That word nibbles is just—it's stuck in my head now. I just—it's the cutest little nibbles. <laughs> nibbles. Nibbles. Uh, nibbles is flying. Tide Force Elemental has landfall. Whenever you play a land, you can untap it. So that's that's relevant. Oh, nice. Basically, you get into these situations where you have Fate Stitcher, a Nibbles of the Breath, uh, and then one pinger and an effect on the pinger, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden you're using Tim to to kill four creatures in a turn or steal four creatures or exile four creatures. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, you can. it's amazing how quickly this can get out of hand. Uh, then you use artifacts that are going to untap your creatures. Um, those two are basically the same. Yeah, so Thousand-Year Elixir is one that you commander players, us commander players are familiar with because it's been printed in the supplemental product. And Mage Rite Stone is the other one. Uh, essentially, they both have the ability to pay one and tap it, untap target creature that has an activated ability with tap uh, the tap symbol in its mana cost. Or not mana cost, in its cost. So you can untap a creature uh, with Majorite Stone. It's a little more, I guess, uh, narrow than Thousand-Year Elixir because Thousand-Year Elixir, you can just do pay one and tap to untap target creature. Uh, but Majorite Stone is very good in this deck, obviously, because yeah. all your cards are, have that ability on them. And Thousand Year Elixir also. Yeah, great. Thousand Year Elixir is actually really great because it says you may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had a haste. So that means you're giving haste to these guys because they're never coming in to swing for combat. They'd much rather come in and tap and do something absurd. Yes, exactly. So Thousand Year Elixir literally gives haste to all your guys because, like you said, you're not attacking. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. And then the big one. The Prophet of Crufix, which we talk about every week. hey She actually, if you get her out um, with any number of creatures, you're probably in an amazing position because mm-hmm. now you're using Tim on everybody else's turn because he's untapping. Yeah. So if you have Fate Stitcher, Tim, maybe one other thing, you can use Tim three times. Let's say you have Charisma on him. Oh, Jeez. You're Still stealing three, three creatures on everybody's turn. Yeah. The thing is, it that is insane. That happens. It happens, yeah. Uh, Seaborn Muse. You would just dominate the game at that point. Yeah, Seaborn Muse does basically the same thing. It, it allows uh, everybody to untap, but that doesn't matter. You're making much more better use of it. Yeah, exactly. So those those cards are, are broken. Uh, 
Another one is um, Freed from the Real. Right. It's a two and a blue for an enchantment creature aura. Uh, it's got two abilities on it. You can t- pay one blue to tap enchanted creature or pay one blue to untap enchanted creature. So very flexible. Definitely the kind of thing you want in this deck. Yeah, it's crazy, especially on Fate Stitcher. So what happens is this is where you can go infinite. If you have oh, a land, really? if you have a market festival on a land, right, and you put Freed from the Real on Fate Stitcher, you just made infinite mana because you're making three mana every time you tap Fate Stitcher, but you're untapping him for one. Mm-hmm. So you're just gaining two mana each time. Yeah. So yeah. you just do that an arbitrary amount of times and then cast whatever you want. Um, I don't have a lot of ways in the deck. In fact, I don't think I have a single way in the deck. Oh no, I have one to, to take advantage of, of unlimited mana, but it right. just. It's nice to have unlimited mana. And then in a deck like this, untap- you actually need to have like out of your five win cons, one of them is gonna be degenerate. Yeah, well and, and the way that it would work is you put Freed from the Real on Fate Stitcher, make infinite mana. Now you can untap Fate Stitcher infinite times. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a Tim out, you can do infinite damage. Ooh boy. <laughs> so I mean that's a big combo. It's like four cards, but it can happen. By the way, four card infinite, go for it. Please yeah, it- let me be let me lose to the fact that I let that happen. Yeah, exactly. And they're one-one creatures or one-two creatures. Like yeah. they're not big creatures. Like it, there's so many things kill it, mm-hmm. ki- kill that combo. But you yeah. can go infinite. It happens. You know, usually on accident. But um, another one is uh, Minamo School at what? You can usually go infinite on accident. And it, this has happened. Yeah, where I'm way. like, where I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> Oh, I think I'm infinite. <laughs> you know, that happens sometimes. I just get this image of we're all playing, and then we look at you, you're like glowing and floating. You're like, guys, I, I think I'm infinite. I think I'm infinite. I think I'm infinite. <laughs> and we're like, oh, whoops. No. whoops. Whoops. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I swear. <laughs> you start like the whole world starts rotating upside down. We're like, what is happening? Um, the next card is Minamo School at Water's Edge. It's a legendary land. It taps for blue mana, but also you can pay a blue and tap it to untap target legendary permanent. So it can untap. There's a bunch of cards in the deck that are legendary. Yeah. There's probably seven or eight. So you can untap all of those. This is also just a land I'd like to recommend for a lot of EDH decks that play blue. Uh, yeah. Because in general, you're going to be tapping stuff. And if you have a, just a few legendary permanents in there. You have a is, general. And you have, a yeah. And this is, this would just be one that instead of a regular island, you can just have this. you know, And this card is very powerful in the right situation. For sure. Uh, and the next section I'm calling Tapper Toolbox. So this is just where... This is like the heart of the deck right here. This yeah. is kind of how you manage the board state. Yeah, the pingers are nice, and they're what sort of why I built the deck. But then mm-hmm. it evolved eventually into... Because originally I had like 14, 15 tappers in, the, in there. Too many. And it was like what we were talking about in the last episode where, yeah, it was too redundant. Mm-hmm. I just had tons of tappers, and I was like, it's crazy, but I only need one or two because I... I only need a Gorgon Flail or a Sword of Caldra or a Charisma, and the tappers just take care of every creature on the board. Yeah, exactly. So then I just need I need uh, abilities that are sort of toolboxy so I can manage, you know, everything else that might happen in the game. Yeah. So, like, this guy uh, that you've got. Oh, Archivist. Simple, yeah, and I'm actually interested about this guy because his mana cost seems a little disproportionate, but I right. think I have a reasoning for why he's in here. He's 2-2 two and two blue for a 1-1 one, one creature wizard. Uh, again, that will be important, and we'll talk about it eventually. Uh, you can just tap him to draw a card. Yep. And at first, I'm like, four mana to just draw a card, but then you realize there's no actual cost. A lot of times, draw a card is like, pay two mana, tap him, draw a card. So often, you get the archivist out. It looks pretty innocuous. People don't... Like, a lot of card draw people are like, Consecrated Sphinx, like, everyone's coming after you, right? Yeah. Archivist has often drawn me the same amount that Consecrated Sphinx would, because if you get Prophet of Crufix out, 
now he's untapping on everybody's turn. Mm-hmm. If I have Fate Stitcher out too, or one of these Niblets of the Breath or something, now he's I'm I can untap him an additional time each turn. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden it can get degenerate to like I can draw twelve cards before my next turn with just with this one dude. That happens all the time in this deck. Um, card draw is super important to the deck. It's probably the single most important thing. Yeah, because you're not a deck that is going to be pressing the advantage really on a lot of people until you're able to lock it down. Like, you're not just going to be like, I'm just going to steal some things for fun because yeah. everyone's going to look at you and be like, don't steal my stuff. <laughs> you know how I'm going to stop you from stealing my stuff? I kill We're you. We're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so card draw is really important. Also, we'll talk about this later, but the the, the deck is very, very weak to board wipes. Mm-hmm. And the, really, the only recourse you've got is just be able to reload. Yeah. So exactly. um, there's these two guys, Arcanus the Omnipotent. Uh, just tap and draw three cards is the important part. But you can also bounce them to your hand, which is very handy too. Yeah, it's great, but um, you almost never do it. What ends up happening is you play Arcanist the Omnipotent, and you end up just drawing nine cards right away because mm-hmm. you tap him, untap him, tap him, untap him, tap him, untap him, and you're like, sweet, nine cards. I don't care what happens to him now. Um, then there's Azami, Lady of Scrolls. This is where the wizard thing starts to come in. Uh, she says, tap an untapped wizard you control, draw a card. Now, notice, uh-huh. this does not give that ability to it. It's a downside like Earthcraft is. Mm-hmm. So you can do this when it comes into play. Right. Very um, important. You can yeah. do it to herself as well. Yes. And so now it turns all... And most of your tappers are wizards. So it turns all your guys into either... It's versatility, like we always talk about. Mm-hmm. So now my guy either taps and steals your guy or taps and kills it or just does one damage or draws a card. Oh my gosh! So having the... having universal abilities like that, like yeah. that's cards like Urborg, every land you control is a swamp. Like there are so many ways to take advantage of that, and this is one of them for sure. Super powerful. Um, Azami is one of the better cards in the deck for sure. Uh, okay, so uh, side note, I actually asked Josh about this deck uh, earlier in the week before we were deciding what to talk about on the podcast because I'm building a uh, I forgot his name, Monkey Boy Tassiger deck, and I say that because of the bananas. You mean... Necklace guy, necklace boy. Yeah, necklace boy. At this point, uh, <laughs> Silmgar's necklace. Um, and I was, I wanted to build in the tapping theme because it's got blue and green in it. And so I'm looking at some of these cards, and I'm, it's like for the first time ever because it, uh, it <laughs> You're is him in a whole new light. Yeah, because I want this card for my deck now. It's Argothian Elder, three and a green for a two-two elf. Hey, he's not a wizard, Josh. What's no, yeah, there? they can't all be wizards. <laughs> Sorry. Especially not It's green. a sub-theme. It's not a theme. That's true. Uh, you tap him to untap two target lands. Let's talk about how you take advantage of this. Well, again, bounce this... Bounce lands. Yep. If you play... This Market deck's going to play a lot of bounce lands. It's going to play as many lands as it can that produce more than one mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lotus Veil is totally usable, that kind of stuff. Um, because your whole... Fate Stitcher, Cure's Follower, Argothian Elder. Yeah. Um, they have the ability to just create obscene amounts of mana. Jeez. Because with Niblis of the Breath and things like that, you untap the Fate Stitcher again, tap mm-hmm. the Fate Stitcher. This Fate Stitcher can do something like make six mana when it untaps a land because you get a bounce land with Market Festival on it and maybe one other enchantment. All of a sudden, you're tapping one land for six mana. Mm-hmm. Then you're untapping it with Fate Stitcher, tapping it again. Now that's 12 mana <laughs> from one land. And then if you can untap the Fate Stitcher with, like, one of your artifacts, yeah. you can create 24, 30 mana in a turn easy. And then if you've got... That's so insane. Yeah, and then if you've got stuff like Freed from the Real, there's something called Pemmin's Aura, just enchantments that allow you to untap your creature, mm-hmm. you just can go off. You can just literally, like... you. Can, I've literally, like, pinged somebody 40 times without going infinite <laughs> to death. Like I'm not infinite, but I'm I'm pinging you. What a just glorious death it was for that uh, player, however. The best. Um, 
this also works well with like minimal school yep. edge because you can use that to, of course, get value and untap more of your guys. So Argothian Elder is great. It says untap two lands, guys. Two lands. It's it seems, such a big deal. Yeah, it seems like not that big deal. Then when you see it in action and that actually makes four mana. This is actually kind of worthlessy with, uh, with Monty Python because at first you're like, this guy's not a sorcerer. Yeah. What, is, what, is, what kind of high magic is he casting over here? And then you're like, oh, oh wow. Crap. Yeah. Um, the next one is Mercurial Chemister. It's three, a blue, and a red. It's a two-three wizard. This guy's an all-star. Yeah, it's two abilities. So here's our versatility. It's tap the chemister and uh, blue and draw two cards. Or you can tap him and a red and discard a card. And then Mercurial Chemister deals damage to target creature equal to the discarded card's converted mana cost. Now, normally you don't want to do this, right? right. Because it's just a one-for-one. But you have so much card draw in the deck yeah. that a lot of times you're sitting there with 15 cards in your hand, and you're just like, whatever, kill that thing. I don't care about... Now I only have 14 cards. Dang yeah. it. Yeah. Or you can toss a Fate Stitcher and be like, he's coming back. Yeah. When I, when I'll I need just him unearth most. him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that ability is super underrated because people do see it as one for one and like, I don't want to throw stuff in my bin. Like, right. hey, you know what? There's a good card to throw in your bin in this deck. Like, anger. Yep. Yeah. Like, exactly. toss that guy in there and, and now everyone has, have, has... Yeah, has they're all... Uh, uh, also, the same card out. that does this draws you two cards yeah. sometimes, <laughs> so he just makes up for it. He's like, oh, you dumped a card in your bin. Now I'll just give you two more cards. Not to mention he's got some fantastic facial hair, so <laughs> got to give him props on that one. Uh, uh, next up is Empress Galena. Uh, this card um, is awesome. By the way, a lot of these legendary cards are like some of the most abusive mono blue generals, yeah. like uh, Azami <laughs> and Empress Galena are both uh, in, in that They're entire decks by themselves. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Empress Galena is three and two blue for a one three legendary creature, Merfolk. And you tap blue, blue, and tapper, and gain control of target legendary permanent. Hmm, what's a legendary permanent on the battlefield? Oh, maybe somebody's commander. Hey, I don't care about you, Tuck Rule. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to steal it forever. Well, yeah, that's the thing about Galena. There's no text that says until Galena leaves the battlefield. Yeah. She just takes it, and then that's just yours. And if they don't have Homeward Path or something, there's nothing, there's no enchantment holding it there that you can destroy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing runs the feel bads like having your commander stolen permanently. <laughs> I mean, I've ta- I've dropped her with haste and literally taken all the generals before. You know? <laughs> all the generals. Because like, yep, tap her, take that one, untap her, tap her, take that one. This is why her. every time. Like I, in one turn. Yeah. This Every time I see a card like this, I'm like, man, this is why people play Geist and uh, Sigarda. It's yeah. because of Empress Kalina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. That's, <clears throat> that's the main reason. Uh, the next toolboxy guy is Viashino Heretic. He's uh, one three for two and a red. That's my color. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, tap one and a red and tap the Viashino Heretic. Destroy target artifact. Viashino Heretic deals damage to that artifact's controller equal to the artifact's casting cost. So the second bit, not as relevant, but at the same time, if you nuke like a... Like what, that one of those seven drop, like Chroma's Memorial, it's like you can actually kill someone. Yeah, just like, <laughs> hey, take seven in the face. Also, again... A lot of times, you because of your ability to untap and reuse a guy multiple times, you can just, like, oh, destroy four artifacts. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, like, those are the kind of cards that are going to shut this deck down are, yep. like, abusive artifacts or things that are just out of control powerful that you don't use in this deck. So, Well, the funny thing about this deck is you're just not worried about creatures that much mm-hmm. because all your guys deal damage to creatures, steal creatures. Like, you don't need anything that deals with creatures, really. It's all the other stuff. Enchantments, artifacts, those are your real issues. Yeah. Board wipes. <laughs> Board wipes are definitely an issue. Um, <clears throat> but not to the Fauna Shaman. She's one in the green for a 2-2 two, two Elf Shaman. 
man, what's up with green not making wizards? They Come don't, on, guys. There's no wizards in green, get really. Some, get yeah. some magical power. You're a wizard now, Fauna. Uh, green and tap her. Discard the creature card. Search your library for a creature card. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So nice. this fits in. You have a ton of card draw. You just have stuff to ditch. And with a toolbox deck like this, we should mention this is a toolbox deck. Yeah. You're going to want to find the card. What It could just be the guy we just talked about, the Fushino Heretic, to destroy someone's sort of whatever that's just wrecking the board. It's almost always a zombie or... Mm-hmm. Uh, Arcanus, or you know, or it's Viachino Heretic. Good, or, good choices. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's very powerful. Uh, the last one in this cat toolbox category. There's a lot, but this is the last one we'll talk about is Urtai, Wizard Adept. It's two and a blue for a one one. He's a legend. Uh, Who so would have thought? So you could untap him with Minamo. He also is. Uh, Urtai, Wizard Adept, counts as a wizard. He's a wizard. That's the first line of text. <laughs> I don't know why they just didn't say... Yeah. The, well, they, the Oracle text is legendary creature, human wizard. Yeah. <laughs> he's a human, too. Oh, never would have known. Um, he, He's brutal. So he's two and two blue, and then tap him. Counter target spell. Get out of here. So he's a counter spell on a stick. This is one of those cards that just takes over the game. Yeah. Because if you have Fate Stitcher, you know, Thousand Year Elixir... Or Fate Stitcher and and Prophet of Crufix, or even just Prophet of Crufix and this card. Yeah, you're countering one spell per turn. <sighs> this is one of those cards that, yeah, if you play it right, you can literally just lock the. You can lock as many players out as you want. Mm-hmm. You can also strike the deals. Be like, you can cast a spell. I'll let you cast that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very, very powerful. Um, yeah, exactly. It's it's another card that you would go get with Fauna Shaman if you're like, okay, as soon as I lock everybody down, I win. So, yeah, Urtai is pretty. He's a uh, he's in the realm of like tall round. Like he his goal is to stop you from playing. Um, okay, so the next section is card. <coughs> my favorite section, cards you may Are you not sure they're think not of. all your favorite. Oh, they, oh right, gotcha. I thought yeah. I was gonna say they're all your favorite. Oh, I mean, this, this is my deck. favorite section when we deck tech in general. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, the cards you might not think of. Um, this is this- what I'm always on the hunt for, by the way, when I look at cards. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. That's the that's the hidden X quality in them. This card. In general, should see a little bit more play. It is expensive uh, CMC-wise, but anyway, go ahead and read it. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen this card in a while. Six in the blue. It's Dismiss into Dream. It's an enchantment. Each creature your opponent's control is an illusion in addition to its other types and has, when this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. So just your opponent's creatures. This is another thing that turns Tim into just kill somebody, but it also turns Nibbles in the Breath into kill somebody because mm-hmm. you go to tap or untap their creature, and that's targeting it. And they have to sacrifice it. Jeez. Also, if they want to do anything to their own creatures, they have to sacrifice it. Oh, that's right. Equipping is an ability. Mm -hmm. So you just turn off all Swift Foot Boots and Lightning Greaves and such. Because as soon as they target the creature, they go, "Ah, I'm a illusion. I'm not of this world. And And it's amazing how that shuts down a lot of decks. Like think of the Reverend's Shu Yun deck and you have put Dismiss into Dream out. Yeah. What can he do? He his the whole deck is enchant his own creatures. <laughs> nope. Sorry. They sorry, just Ray. die every time you try and do that. So yeah, that card is extremely powerful. It's expensive. It's it's seven mana, but it probably should see more play. I mean, in a deck like this, you're making that mana. You'll 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 get this out in time. Um, Sometimes you can play that on turn four. I'll just say Sigard is looking even nicer now. <laughs> Jeez. Um the next two are basically the same card. There's disruptive student and disruptive pit mage. They're both uh, two and a blue for a one-one. They're both wizards, and they both say, "Counter uh, tap them to counter target spell unless its caster plays an additional one mana." Yeah. So if the controller pays one, then they, they force it's, it's it uh, force spikes, spikes it. Yeah. The thing is, 
what what you don't think about is like oh one mana yeah but if i can untap and tap this guy five times in a turn which is easy Mm -hmm. then i'm just i'm literally saying every spell you cast you have to pay five more for it can you do that yeah for each individual one and that's going to really throttle your mana really quickly so it's not it's actually kind of like a soft control where people can't get I they, mean, they should get reasonably upset at you, but they can't actually get that upset at you because you're not outright stopping them like your other wizard did, at least. At least. Yeah, and, and it's the threat of activation does weird things. So let's say mm-hmm. they've got nine mana, yeah, and you could make them pay four more. Well, they're not going to play a six drop. They're gonna, they'll are gonna just hold it and wait yeah, because they don't want it to get countered for free. But at the same time, they're not making you use it, so then you get to use that threat on the next guy. It's kind of like when I held up a... Cryptic Cryptic command and just lock the entire table down without ever playing the card. So yeah, cards like these are great because people look at it and go like, oh, but then this could happen. And that's when you've got them. You're already in their head. Yep. (laughs) I'm in your head. I'm in your head, boy. Disruptive Pit Mage, by the way, I will mention has morph and he only morphs for one blue. Oh yeah. And he... he You never morph him, but... I mean, I I just like the idea that you (laughs) you could. could. For one blue and it's like a blue counterspell because if someone taps out and they don't see him there, then that's when you really get them. Yeah, true. Like I mean, Caster General, he tapped. In EDH, I feel like it's it's better that they know it's there and play around it. It's true. That almost does more for you than than tricking them in, in that case. But yeah, you could. I just want to be tricksy. Yeah. Uh, anger? Oh, yeah. We already talked about Anger. Anger is if it's in your graveyard, all your creatures have haste. Yeah, and there's it's a cycle. So there's a card like Wonder that gives your creatures flying. Basically, if you have a way to stack your graveyard uh, or just at any point get a card in there without having to you know get it on the battlefield and have it die somehow, these cards are great for a lot of decks. So keep an eye out for those in general, depending on what your decks... They sort of all fit into an archetype of the color. So I mean, I've... I, I, I... I have cast anger onto the battlefield and killed it myself just to put it in the graveyard. Yeah, it yeah. is that useful for this deck specifically. Uh, so are the Illusionist Bracers. It's a two-drop artifact equipment. And whenever an ability of the equipped creature is activated, if it isn't a mana ability, you can copy it and choose new targets for the copy. Well, that sounds pretty nice. It's great. You just do whatever your tap ability is twice. Mm-hmm. So very, very powerful. Uh, allows Tim to start taking two creatures at a time. Allows, I mean, yeah, you can tap four lands, untap four lands with that one guy now. Well, the great thing is, too, where if you put this on somebody and then you untap it with Fate Stitcher, mm-hmm. now you're using it four times. So your Fate Stitcher is actually doing the thing twice, too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's like if you have Tim, he's got Illusionist Bracers, and then you give him Death Touch. With him and Fate Stitcher, you can kill four things. So Well, that's uh, that's nice. The great <laughs> part about this deck is that, like, token decks that are like oh just overrun them it's like no you can probably ping all your tokens yeah there's i've been able to keep pace with token decks you've beat me with it too it's close Mm -hmm, it is close it's close but a lot of times we had that one game where you made like 14 tokens and i was able to steal about half of them yeah with charisma in one turn and then block them and then i think you killed me the next turn but it was i've never spent that long thinking about an edh game (laughs) i'm like i've done that for limited and stuff but i was saying there was like i can't lose like i'm already so far ahead josh was like almost stabilized he almost has me in the full lock he's like one card away yeah you had you had to kill me that turn yeah i felt like i was houdini that's what it was (laughs) i was like i'm gonna drown um uh, okay, so the next section is how do you combat this deck? I think the first uh, answer is pretty obvious. Just wipe the world clean. Yeah, of it's all the pingers. very creature heavy. So board wraths just destroy yeah. you. Not to mention board wraths that are just like do one damage to each creature without flying. Yeah, I mean <laughs> anything that yeah, because one damage they're all one ones, maybe one twos. Yeah, um, yeah, anything that does like one damage to everything or a little bit of damage to everything or obviously wrath of god, but also like humility. 
oh, right. would hose this deck, just turn them all into one ones with no abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, any just sort of mass creature hate is going to work really well. Yeah. Then there's stuff, um, Linvala, Keeper of uh, of Silence. Keeper of Josh in check. The, I, who Craig played Linvala out on me, <laughs> just happened to be playing a deck that had Lin, Linvala against I this deck. I think a few of his deck has Lin. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm dead. Yeah, so I don't pl- I don't, I'm not playing anymore, right? It's like Blood Moon for all, <laughs> for all my non-lands. I'm starting to see a trend here, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, it was like because most decks, it's like ah, it hurts you a little. Yeah, this deck it literally turned off every single. Well, it's thing like I'm hey, doing. you got a bunch of one ones. How's that feel? We should say Linvala just doesn't allow activated abilities on, of your creatures to be activated. Also, is it just a, creatures or is it just all your stuff? I think. Let me check. It is uh, activated of creatures. Your opponent's yeah. control activated abilities so cannot like, be activated. Yeah. So you can't tap Tim to do one damage. Well, then Tim sucks because he's a one one for three <laughs> mana. <laughs> she is also, I think, a high uh, reprint in danger of being reprinted because uh, there is a from the vault angels coming up. Yep. And also the masters of Mo- or the modern masters. I gotta say, if they're gonna reprint either Linvala or Iona, I vote Linvala. I vote Linvala. I don't want to see more Iona in my life. I'll say that. No, much. it's just not fun. Um, yeah. Then tokens is the other thing I would say is a good strategy against this deck. It's not that you can't keep up with it. It's just mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, because they can just create enough creatures to sort of overwhelm you. And, and the thing you don't happen. want is half is you facing down the token deck while everyone else is like, sweet, duke it out. Yeah, exactly. Like, Voltron decks, usually you're not too scared of. You have enough tools to deal with that. You can control them pretty well. But a token deck is like, I create 30 dudes, and you're like, I kill 10 of them. <laughs> Take uh, 50? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that That can be an issue. Uh, and then the last one, ironically, is this other pingers. Oh, right, because they can only just murk your dudes with one little bit Sometimes, of damage. This huh? has happened where, like, you play Tim, and then the guy steals your Tim. <laughs> And then you're looking at your hand going, well, if I play this guy, he kills it immediately. Yeah. And if I play this guy, he kills it immediately. And every guy in my deck dies to a Tim. You should put it like Obelisk of Erd in here naming wizards. Just to give him Just a, to yeah. give, yeah. Because you're going to be able to untap to convoke, right? That's true. Like, you That's could totally true. use your guys as it's extra. Not a, it's not actually a bad idea. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about fighting through disruption. So fighting through the, all those things we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, and ironically, I don't have it in this deck because I haven't tuned this deck since uh, this it's came been a out. While, yeah, and I probably won't. It's powerful enough. I don't need to yeah. push it into the realm I of crazy. I think you have enough card draw that you're still okay. If, if yeah, yeah. But Soul of New Phyrexia is a good one. Mm-hmm. It's because you can't put Avacyn in, which you'd want, but you don't have white. Um, but Soul of New Phyrexia just gives all your guys indestructible, so that could protect you from a board wipe. And you can activate it once in the graveyard as well. Yeah. Um, it's a an- bit expensive, but it's it's worth it for the effect, I think. Another of the cards I use to sort of recover is Genesis. Mm-hmm. It takes a little while, but uh, Genesis is like Anger. So Genesis is four and a green for a 4-4 four, four creature incarnation. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Genesis is in your graveyard, you may pay two and a green. If you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Nice. So Genesis. it's pretty cheap. Three mana to get any guy back. Yeah, exactly. It's card draw, basically. Mm-hmm. Especially in the deck where you can make a lot of mana. Works really well with Flana Shaman. You yeah. dump something in your bin, go get tutor something else up, and then still the thing that you put in your bin, you still have access to if you want it. Yeah, exactly. So, And usually Genesis just gets you a card draw guy. Mm-hmm. It gets you a zombie or Arcanist. Well, it's also if like someone's chemistry. like, I can't have, I can only kill two of your things, so I'm gonna kill the one that you need the most. Right, and get, you it, just back get it back. Yeah. yeah, Riptide Laboratory kind of does the same thing. Uh, you can tap it for just a regular uh, colorless mana, but for one in the blue, you can tap it to return target wizard you control to its owner's hand. So it's protection. Yep. You can also do it the turn it goes down, which is important because it's a land. Yep. It is Riptide Laboratory is a little bit expensive. Um, I mean, dollar wise, but <laughs> yeah, it, lands cost you nothing to play. Yeah. Um, 
And then the last one is sort of something we don't talk about a lot, but it's just sort of timing mm-hmm. and sequencing. I just looked up timing on Gatherer served absentmindedly, <laughs> you're, you're and like... nothing came out. There is no card called timing. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to see if there's card something I called sequencing. I'm going to call timing. Um, sequencing is not a card. And so this is really traditionally a very good way to play against board wipes, which is, and I do this a lot, particularly with this deck. Is you have to, yeah. Is like I have a Tim out on the board, and I have another pinger in hand. I don't need to play that second pinger. That's right. just going to sit in my hand in case somebody board wipes. And I have, I have a, a zombie out, but I also have the archivist in my hand. Well, mm-hmm. I don't need two guys that are tapping for card draw, so I'm not going to play them both out. Good call. And then you just S- sort of controlling the flow of cards out of your hand. Yeah, you're you're building your board, you're drawing a bunch of cards, but you're keeping you're keeping card draw. You're keeping at least kind of like your spare tire, hand. right? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Um, so that's a way to protect yourself from board wipes because this like they board wipe. Okay, play another card draw guy. Start drawing cards. Right. Get you know. Play build, another pinger. Build the wizard army back exactly. up again. Exactly. Yeah. So in that respect, it's a very fair deck, um, which is one of the things I like about it. Yeah, I think it plays really evenly, and and it's every time I played it, th- this is the best part about this deck is you never look at your hand and go like I can't do anything. You look at your hand like I can do about fifty things right now, and I just need to decide what to do. That is the best part about playing this deck, and why yeah. I love playing it. You always have stuff you can do. It's yeah. one of those decks where, like, because all your guys on board have abilities. So you're just sitting there, and you're like, okay, do I want to ping that guy? Do I want to, <laughs> Or do I want to just do one damage to, to Jimmy right now? Or do I want to put my death touch onto this dude and then kill that guy? Or do I want to steal that guy over there? Or mm-hmm. do I want to hold up mana so I can counter a spell? Or do I want to... want to hold know? up mana so I can nuke this guy in case he attacks me. Exactly. Or in response to him trying to equip something. And yeah. you're, you end up doing a lot of, like, okay, I play this guy, go ahead, and I'm going to make all my decisions when stuff starts happening to me right and what that causes at the table is a perfect political deck Mm -hmm. because you're like well i can tap tim and i can i can kill somebody with because he's got death touch i can i can kill a creature but i don't need to use it unless that creature comes at me Mm -hmm. and because you have the ability to do that no creatures come at you because they look at you and they go i don't want to attack him because he'll just kill it and also i'm not that afraid of him he doesn't have a he's he's just got pingers out yeah what's the downside he can do one damage to me yeah that doesn't hurt that much so then they just let it sit there they attack the other guys and then the other guys attack them back because they got attacked and then all of a sudden you're sitting there going like this is awesome look at this war i'm watching yeah. and i'll just wait until i have a couple of i have her tie yeah and i have a bunch of card draw and then i go, go boom off. boom and i go proper crew fix go and everyone's like oh crap he can counter three spells per turn yeah it's your sudden rise to power yeah <laughs> so it's you've it, usurped the throne it's super super fun proud. you just have tons of stuff you can do you're constantly going okay do this untap him with this do that yeah. untap him again with this do that and then i tap your guy down and then okay go like oh by the way that was the end of your turn yeah that was the end of your turn it's my turn i now i draw a card yeah, yeah. now i get to untap and do it all over again <laughs> uh yeah this is a super fun deck to pilot i've only gotten to play it once i should probably just ask to play this deck every you time should. i need one because it is I, the last time i played it it was against you and i think maybe it was eli but it was someone else maybe it was matt but i think it was matt at the office and i just had full control <laughs> you just went off and i'm i'm like oh we're dead because you had like 12 creatures out yeah you knew exactly three what of I, them can counter even stuff. if i wasn't playing it like <laughs> optimally if i was paying it like 50 percent, i still was winning like yeah. that's what felt so great about it yeah i was like oh we're dead there's nothing we can do any he counter anything we cast yeah and exactly kill anything we sneak out or anything like yeah. that yeah oh one last thing i would mention is also like there are a lot of targets on your opponent's side that are maybe two twos that you just have to ping twice to kill yep. and there are lots of very important creatures that are under three toughness and there are plenty can... that are they only have one toughness and you yeah just, exactly tim just kills them and yeah. then 
I don't know how many times it's like, well, there's nothing else out there. And if somebody says go and you're like, well, on your end step, I just ping you for three. Yeah. Which that stuff adds up. You know, you do that five turns in a row, you've done 15 damage. Like that can really add up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really fun deck. It's my easily my most fun deck to play. Yeah. It's also great when someone's everyone's at low life totals. You can kind of just push someone out and kill them. Yeah. Like, all right. Or and... you can make them do your bidding because I can kill you at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah. So give me a reason to keep, to not do that. <laughs> you are Darth Vader. All right. Time for the end step. End step it up. I have a week? really cool one. Ooh. It's StarCraft Legacy of the Void. Whoop, 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 my whoop, good whoop. friend Jimmy Wong, who is my <laughs> hero, has hooked it up, and we're going to start playing the beta this week. You're going to have to teach me the basic. My girlfriend knows how to play this game better than I do. I bet she's really good because um, if she you don't know, good. Jimmy's girlfriend is like good friends with like a whole bunch of pro players or mm-hmm. ex-pros. And People a bunch that are of still like big StarCraft streamers hosts, like Husky, Husky and yeah, Day9 guys, yeah. and all those dudes. Uh, those guys are really good. I used to be really good at the original StarCraft. And then you started making Tim decks. Yeah. No, then <laughs> then Korea decided to just like... Oh, right. Yes. I mean, Koreans came in and revolutionized how you play that game. And yep. we just could not keep up. Like It's they, funny watching League of Legends, too, because it's like all these American and European leagues being like, yeah, you guys are doing so great. Oh, you're going to Korea now. Okay, cool. That's over. You're done. <laughs> you're done. You're done. And it's, it's like, not even like a hotly... Dis- it's like, no. It's like everyone just knows as facts. Like, yeah, that's just how it is. They're just their gamer culture over there, especially for that type of game, is mm-hmm. just like so far and away above what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was literally like, I remember for the first StarCraft, not Brood War, I was in the beta and I was in the the top sixteen players in the entire beta. They oh, had nice. the tournament because I had played Warcraft two and I had been yeah, very good at yeah. that. I'd been top ten at that in the world. Which at the time that that sounds impressive, but there was a lot less people playing. <laughs> it's like at a hundred people. <laughs> there was like a couple thousand, maybe you know, yeah. not like millions of people. Anyway, but. That's how good I was at StarCraft. We, my friends and I used to create accounts on Battle.net, and we would literally see how many games we could go on, on oh, wow. ranked without losing. And I remember routinely I'd create a new account and get to 120 wins with no, with no losses. <laughs> played so much StarCraft. Yeah. I'm and, sure you were winning quickly but as you well, could, though. you could kill people. But then the Koreans started playing, and literally I went from like one of the top 20 players, maybe top 30 players. Uh-huh. To like not even in the top five hundred. You weren't a good enough Asian, Josh. Oh my gosh, Josh they were so Lee they're Kwai. so good. Like they just destroyed. They have a totally different philosophy. It's about a training regimen too. Yeah, they we didn't know they they have this metric called APM, which is actions per minute. Right. That was sort of invented over there, which is like they just play faster than we play. Yeah, they can do some crazy amount. They're like th- in the three hundred APMs <laughs> yeah. sometimes. So three hundred calculates... actions per minute. Yeah, that's five per second. So they're essentially going. That's how fast they're clicking, and something is happening every single time they do that. You should uh, YouTube uh, uh, StarCraft APM, and yeah. you'll see these guys and how they play. And if you watch the screen while they're playing, the screen's moving so fast. Oh, it's, it's The almost, way they're scrolling through the screen, it's not like a human being playing it. It's like, it's crazy. It it's looks like, like one of those printers, like, shooting all over the place yeah. and, like, figuring stuff out. And the most crazy thing is just the the millisecond to millisecond reaction when something's going yes. down or they're making an attack and they're trying to do something to the side as well like how do you that's when it really because at first it's like how fast can you optimize all your resource management and get everything built as the correct way in the right amount of space and the fastest and then it's like how do you fight yeah it, and then it's, it's what we call intense. micro so micro oh, right. is actually controlling your units uh individually to to sort of maximize their effectiveness and they're amazing at it. I'm very bad at that aspect because that's not how I learned. We played the macro game, which is yeah. basically the right build order, maximize your resources, and then just 
have more guys than them and just throw them at them in waves. But they're like totally into like my two Marines, I'll just control them better and I'll kill your 10 dudes with them. Yeah, you know? that's, that's what they do down and, to that level. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. And uh, also like I see you're building this, I'm going to build this in response and send it around the side and have this convoy with these troops here specifically to attack. Like it's... It's like it's advanced warfare. It's, it's crazy. They should yeah. really get those guys in like some military academies and like I wonder <laughs> yeah, it's what kind of like, Ender's, be like game. Ender's game. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm super excited because we're getting in the beta for that, and uh, I haven't played in a couple of years, but Jimmy, yeah, I'm ready. I'm so excited. To... Come on, we'll get to at least like Diamond Two v Two League. Like, we can do that for sure. Probably <laughs> yeah, Masters. Totally. Masters. Oh, Masters gosh. in teams is not that. I hard. think the Masters for golf is coming up. By the way, I'm gonna. <laughs> It'll watch... be over by the time people. Are oh, listening that's right. This. That's right. It's happening this Sunday. I'm assuming Tiger this. Woods did not win because he doesn't win no. anything anymore. You know what? Actually, that's kind of an interesting subtopic too, which is what happens to a person's uh, sort of winning mentality when they're like they get knocked down like that. Because you can apply that to stuff like magic and stuff like oh any yeah, tournament I think, scene, right? Um, Boxing, I think, is a really good place to look at this. And I have this theory about boxing. I'm a big boxing fan. And there's two kinds of boxers, uh, like extremely good boxers. Uh There's the kind that they go 20-0, 25-0, 30-0, and then they get knocked out or knocked down. And then they're done. And they never win a fight again or they're never a world-class fighter again. Because part of what made them so good was in their mentality in their mind they were invincible Mm -hmm. like mike tyson is one of these guys who like he was never good again not world class after he got knocked out and it was because you can't swing to try and take somebody's head off every time if in the back of your mind you're thinking what if i get caught and so he just never was able to fight the same way and i think yeah it probably translates to a lot of different like competitive realms of like you know can you ever be the same can you be quite as aggressive once you've learned your Mm -hmm. own you know, once you've seen the other side, kind once of. you've learned your weakness, you you know, you have one, you know, you're yeah. not invincible. Yeah. Well, we just call that playing around the counter spell. <laughs> you know. I don't know if it equates to magic, although in <laughs> poker, we know that there is an age thing mm-hmm. and definitely the fearless young ones. Yeah, they do better. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a weird thing. And I mean, people in Korea start training at a very young age to play StarCraft if they really want to get into it. So, oh man, the star, the, the window of, you have to be good as a professional uh, video game player of any kind, but especially StarCraft, is yeah. very thin. It's also the same for stuff like uh, F1 racing. Like you have to start yep. with competitive go karting like as early as possible. Like some people as early as the age of four, if possible. Because you have to get that twitch reaction in for those turns. Otherwise, you're going to die. It's so dangerous and so fast. But at least you can keep going a little bit longer. Like, literally, you right. can't play professional StarCraft at the age of 25. Yeah. You're just too old at that point. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Like, Boxer, who's probably the greatest video game, professional video game player in the history of the world, mm-hmm. you know, at 27 or so, was just couldn't be competitive. Sad, sad times. Maybe yeah. he should have drank a couple more. It's Red really Bulls. sad because you're older than that, and I'm way older than that. <laughs> I know. That's okay. We can still make masters in two v two, or at least diamond. We can okay, do it. I'm go- I'm looking for diamond, and then I'm gonna watch pro football, and also remember that those guys are all at least seven years younger than me. <laughs> okay, so here's what everybody out there has got to do. They got to give us a review on iTunes first of all. Yes, thank you, please. Oh God. <laughs> and then you got to email us your BattleNet names if you're in oh, the yeah. StarCraft Two uh, Legacy of the Void beta. And if you're not, that's okay because we're going to train up and then when it actually gets released, then we'll play with you. Yeah, exactly. And right. we'll, you know, we'll, we won't have an unfair advantage. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You're probably better than Jimmy. Yeah, you're is. probably better than me, that's for sure. <laughs>
Oh man! After playing Heroes of the Storm at BlizzCon, oh man, there I will. That was kind of like me getting knocked out. Yeah, <laughs> that was my Mike Tyson <laughs> moment. Like, oh, I'm old. It was like I can't. I can't do this. Uh, I would say we should challenge those guys to StarCraft, but they're all way better at StarCraft than oh, they yeah, are at Heroes of the Storm. It's, yeah, Husky StarCraft. You yeah. think he's not going to be good at that game? Stupid Husky. Oh, Husky, he's great though. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that was a very long end step for this week. But I love talking about games in general because I think th- there's a lots of parallels between magic and everything so oh yeah we're all gamers right i'm sure yeah. people that play magic play all kinds of different games mm-hmm. that's the beauty of, of, of games yeah all right everybody thanks for listening yep make sure you guys check out our sister podcast as well the masters of modern talking about all things modern alex kessler and ben bateman do a great job on that show you can find them at rocketjump.com and also on twitter at the mm cast all right guys well until next time peace Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.